Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. This story about gender-affirming surgery, the story about Boston Children's Hospital is not going away. And I will tell you, I am freaked out by the fact that it's not going away. I, I want it desperately to be gone. I don't want to think for a second that there is seriously a hospital group in America that is like, yeah, let, let's let's perform surgeries on children so they can change their gender. I didn't know, except I did, the extent to which people be like, well, what's the problem? Why can't kids decide for themselves? And I've gone through this argument. I'm going to do it again. I want you to know how serious I am about it. I want you to know exactly how crystal clear it is. And I want you to know that you are 100% not alone in recognizing how ugly it all is, how violent it all is, and a society that does not protect children, a society that is willing to sacrifice children and allow them to engage in a, in a, in a sacrifice of themselves that doesn't protect and defend them, that is not a society that can last or thrive. Tony Katz, great to be with you guys. Tony Katz today, the phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. It does spell out 833-GOT-TONY, it really, uh, truly does. It's pretty cool. All right, there, feel free to call in. Ryan will take uh, the call. This starts with videos that are put out at... Um, from a hospital in Boston, Boston Children's Hospital. And the videos say things like this. Gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. The way these videos play out, they play out like recruiting tools. They play out as if they're trying to say, hey, come on in. You're a kid and you've decided you're a different gender. Well, that's just golly gee willikers swell. Come on down and we'll get this all fixed and taken care of. That's the way the videos play. I have been clear on the radio show and, and, and again today to say I don't believe that is what they're doing. I haven't seen where they're saying, my gosh, we'll, we'll perform surgery on a 12-year-old. I haven't seen that. There was a conversation about something on the website saying that they would, uh, have, they would do something called a vaginoplasty on someone who is 17 years old who meets the requirements. Then, because of all this attention that it got from people like Libs of TikTok and others, it now says 18 years old. If they indeed were offering these surgery on 17-year-olds, they, of course, are despicable because there is an age of consent. Now, we have it at different ages for different things, but we accept the fact that 18 is the age of adulthood. That's going to come into play. Call that a little foreshadowing, if you will. That's going to come into play. There was another video about toddlers knowing that they're transgender. 
A child will often know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves, and parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids, they knew from the minute they were born practically, and actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings' clothing. I have to stop there, although there's more in this. If... Um not properly using a bathroom is proof that your kid is transgender. We all are. That's the argument. The argument is what toys they played with. If your little girl likes trucks, all of a sudden she's a boy. Do you know how diseased and lost you have to be? I would argue and state clearly that on this and this alone, just this conversation, that if you are a doctor says, well, if your little girl plays with trucks, clearly transgender, you should lose your license. You should not be allowed to practice medicine. You shouldn't be allowed to be near children because as a commentary, as a statement, that is insane. It's a radical thought. It's a radical thought because what it's saying is that everything that we may believe about the idea of you can be anything you want to be in this world and you don't have to fit into certain groups. Just go do as you like. Well, that's not true. It turns out what they're saying is you have to fit in this. Girls have to wear dresses and play with dolls. Boys absolutely have to never wear pants and beat the crap out of each other 24-7. All right, a lot of boys do that. But they don't have to. They don't have to at all. If we stuck to this idea that you have to stick to the thing that's gender appropriate, right? Girls do this and boys do that, as opposed to people doing what they do. Then you never have any male chefs, except, of course, amongst the greatest chefs in the world are men. The liking of a truck or the liking of cooking is not the conversation here. The conversation here is, are you now going to use that as a pretense to engage in some kind of medical situation, some medical intervention towards a child? That's obscene. And, uh, and, and from uh, Boston Children's Hospital, they weren't done. Uh, playing with the quote opposite gender toys things like that there is more and more a group of adolescents that we are seeing that really are coming to the realization that they might be trans or gender diverse a little bit later on in their life so what we're seeing from them is that they always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't they were told something was off. They were told something was different. They were told they were not okay. They were not told to accept themselves the way they are. They were told that there's a fix. That is not my argument. That argument comes from what this woman is saying with Boston Children's Hospital, or at least making the videos at Boston Children's Hospitals. And so Boston Children's Hospital is rightly getting asked questions, rightly taking heat. This brings us to NBC. And what's happening with NBC, a woman by the name of Brandy Zadronzi, Z-A-D-R-O-Z-N-Y. What she is saying is that anti-trans activists have reached a new height targeting children's hospitals and doctors for harassment and violent threats. That's absolutely positively not what, what, what is happening. 
That's that's not what's happening. Now, if anybody is threatening the hospital or anybody's threatening doctors, I absolutely believe that that's wrong. 150% wrong, as wrong as wrong can be. You don't threaten doctors. You don't threaten hospitals. You don't threaten FBI agents. You don't threaten Supreme Court justices, Joe Biden, and you don't, certainly don't allow it to happen. You stand up to that stuff. That's everything we don't want in a society. That's my take. I am not afraid of it. But the idea that that's the way you're going to phrase this, anti-trans activists are targeting children's hospitals. I mean, uh, if if you're following along with the live stream, which I have on my Rumble channel right now, rumble.com slash Tony Katz, that's the the tweet right there. Anti-trans activists have reached a new height targeting children's hospitals and doctors for harassment and violent threats online. That's not what's happening. Exposing the story, letting people know about what's happening is not targeting anybody for harassment. It's just not. So it's a lie that's being told by Brandy Zadronzi over there at NBC. It's a lie. It is untrue. Exposing a story is what we should want Journalism is what we should desire and what we need. And you have here a journalist making the claim that somehow that's wrong. It's not wrong. And I stated so on Twitter. What is wrong, as I see it, is something that happened on my Twitter feed. Now, now, be- before we go on, uh, I'm at Tony Katz on-, on Twitter, and Twitter is a dumpster fire. I actually have exclusive audio of what's going on on Twitter right now. Ah, it didn't play. That's too bad. That's too... Oh, there we go. Hold on. Now I got it. F these people. I don't know if you heard that or not, <laughs> but I love that. Twitter is a dumpster fire. Twitter is awful. Twitter is the enemy, my dear people. We know this. It's certainly the enemy of of free speech, and it's the enemy of rational talk. I was engaged in this conversation yesterday, and I was um, saying that, look, if a doctor is offering up surgeries... To a 14-year-old, you fire the doctor, you take the license of the doctor, you shut down the hospital. I didn't even know that was a controversial thought. And what happened was, is that this person on Twitter, who has now since uh, blocked me, got themselves into a place that 14-year-olds know who they were. When I was 14, I knew I liked girls. The idea of having sexual attraction to someone is a much different conversation than saying, hey, I'm going to have my penis removed. Now, I didn't know that in a civil society, we would have to actually explain that to people, but son of a gun, sometimes you got to explain that to people. Those are two very different things. I think I'm a completely different sex is very different than I find so-and-so attractive. Very different indeed. And this person's making the argument, you're the one stigmatizing children. You're the one leading them to suicide. I have discussed many, many times, many times that this is not true. 
This is an obscene thing to say because the argument being made is that if you don't let a child do X, do Y, or do Z, ergo, you're leading them to suicide. I spent the vast majority of my 20s depressed, and I spent far too much time suicidal. By the way, the suicide prevention hotline is now 988. If you ever need to make that call, go ahead. I never did, uh, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Um, It comes from within. Depression comes from within. It is about you. It is about your issues. And what we have seen regarding those who are transgender or, or make the claim, the gender dysphoria conversation, is that they are already in peril, in straits, and strain. And we should be people who are engaged in compassion and love, but that doesn't mean approval and acceptance. The argument that is made by, for example, Rachel Levine, who is a man who makes a claim of being a woman, lives his life as a woman, go live your life, under Secretary of Health and Human Services in the Biden administration, made the claim that we have to give forth these gender-affirming services and surgeries, otherwise we're going to lead kids to suicide. That's a lie. I'm telling you it's a lie. I will take this on with anyone, anywhere, anytime. We are talking about depression and being suicidal. That comes from within. Comes from within. That pain, that anguish is about you not being able to accept you. Now, other people may not be able to accept you or won't be willing to accept you, but if you can accept you, you can deal with that. If you're not willing to accept you, well then, dear Lord, you can't figure out what your purpose is. You can't figure out what worth is. I'm, I'm, I'm discussing this from a very personal level. I lost years. I'd like to have them back. I'm not a man of many regrets, guys. Hot damn, that's, uh, that, that is one of them. So don't ever buy into this. And here's this person tweeting at me. You're, you're the one leaving the stigma. Not true. What I'm doing is protecting children from themselves. The, one of the most important things adults, parents can do is protect children very often from themselves. Because they make bad decisions. They engage in dangerous things. That's the job of parents. We keep them from jumping off the roof because they actually can't fly no matter how many capes they make. And this ended with me explaining about children can't consent to a surgery or puberty blockers because they, they can't consent to that. And I was asked, why can't children consent? And I simply responded with, because they're children. And that led to an explosion on Twitter, and you can, you can find it all there. A society that won't protect children is not a society that can survive. It's not a society that can grow, that can thrive. It is the end. And a society that thinks that children can make their own medical decisions, including the removal of body parts, actual mutilation, not a society, not one that is worthy, and certainly not one that can survive. These are the facts. These are the facts as presented. And yes, there are people out there so incredibly woke, remarkably woke, so just believing that they are inclusive and loving and caring and kind that they're willing to let children make the call. 
I'm not saying that this hospital did, Boston Children's Hospital. I'm saying that there are clearly adults who are totally fine with kids making medical decisions for themselves. Now, there's a reason for this. And the reason goes to a very ugly place. That if children can make their own medical decisions, they can make decisions on abortion, and you want to let them vote, well, then they can decide things like uh, who they love. And age won't matter because children can decide. And then, of course, it comes to moving children out of the realm of needing parents. Parents no longer protect children. Society will. It takes a village, right? That's where it all goes. Those last two things. Children need to be protected from themselves. And clearly, way too many adults who hate them. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So as you may know, Better Call Saul came to an end last night. What, 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 Vince Gallagher, is that his name? The world he created in the Breaking Bad universe is just unreal. Um, so my, my oldest watched uh, uh, Breaking Bad, Teenager. Uh, I couldn't, it, it, too dark, too, too messed up. I could could not watch it, but I caught bits and pieces because you know my kids watching. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out. You know, it's an opportunity. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, uh, and, and we'll watch. And then from Breaking Bad, I was like, gotta watch Better Call Saul, Dad. Gotta do it. So watch Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul ended last night. I'm about to do a spoiler. So if you don't want spoilers, uh, tune out now for a good ninety seconds. So, you know, in, in Better Call Saul, it's it's this little bit flashback, flash forward, and after Breaking Bad, uh, Saul uh, goes into witness protection, uh, or he's, his own protection, he gets protected, and uh, he ends up working at a Cinnabon. And at the end of Better Call Saul, uh, he gets arrested, confesses to everything, and he's going to go to jail for forever. So what did, the, what did Cinnabon do? They put out a tweet, now hiring general manager in Omaha, Nebraska, that's where Saul was hiding out. That's freaking brilliant. 40,000 likes and guys like me talking about it. What is the earned media on a smart social media play? That is an incredible, incredible tweet. Super smart. I like super smart. Love it. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is approving oil and gas leases. I'm not lying to you there. Joe Biden is is, uh, approving them. And more of what is Liz Cheney talking about? That's all coming up. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Go check out the videos. James Carville saying that the Republican Party got really stupid people that vote in their primaries. Well, he might not be wrong. (laughs) He might not be wrong about that. The problem that the Republican Party has is is Lester Maddox, the former governor of Georgia, said famously, the problem with the prisons in Georgia is the quality of the inmate. The problem the Republican Party has is they got really stupid people that vote in their primaries. And when you have that, you're going to get in really stupid people demand to have really stupid leaders. 
That's not actually it. But I got to admit, Carvel is on to a theme. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. The Republican Party is the party of stupid. And oh, I get uh, people get angry with me for this. They love this. Well, can't worry about it. The Republican Party is the party that has the Democratic Party on the absolute ropes on inflation, on the border, on uh, on just safety and security in general, and are looking for a way to lose. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to act. Can't drives me batty. Can't stand it. But it, it continues time and again and again and again and again. It continues. And uh, part of the problem is, is that uh, they are unwilling to A, fight as necessary, and B, fight all the time. The lesson of Trump is, is about the fight. See, people talk about the guy. I've said this before. I don't need the guy. I don't need the guy. I need the lessons of the guy. And what I need are more people to in to learn the lessons so we have more opportunities for more candidates. That's what I need. That's what's so important. It, it this is Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis making perfect sense in Florida. But what I've said is that the state of Florida is the state, uh, is the place where woke goes to die. Uh, we are not going to let this state, we're not going to let this state descend into some type of woke dumpster fire. We're going to be following common sense. We're going to be following, um, you know, facts. And that's just really, really important. So you got to love anybody talking about the woke dumpster fire. The people who voted for DeSantis were absolutely correct. Do you know how close Florida was to Andrew Gillum being their governor? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number, 833-468-8669. It could have been bad. So DeSantis is a great example of not voting for bad people, voting for the right people. But sometimes people do vote because, well, this one's a fighter. Have you been listening to what they're saying? Is that the way you, you, you engage and, and, and you, you create victory? Don't you, can't you hear the difference between something that is rational and something that is, well, not? Me, I can tell the difference between something's rational and something that's not. I think the vast majority of people can. Sometimes they don't. So I thought it was a pretty interesting, interesting uh, uh, take there from Carvel. But Carvel went on another step because he wasn't just talking about the right. He was talking about the political left as well. These people have the ability to irritate. They have the ability to come up with, with really stupid things like defund the police. Three, three worst words ever in the English language, maybe. And, and you know, it's, you know, let's get rid of Abraham Lincoln. Um, that, that's that's that takes a really smart person to come up with that. You gotta love it because he's right. You gotta love it because we understand that defund the police is exactly what the left meant. No matter how they've tried to couch it, spin it, maneuver it, maneuver it, etc., and it has been a total disaster, a total total failure. So much so that you're seeing people return to funding the police. 
This brings us to the story of Biden and an oil and gas lease sale. This was a little known thing, I guess, in the Inflation Reduction Act, like it ever (laughs) reduced inflation. Oh, I'm hilarious. This article over there at Fox Business discusses the fact that inside the legislation that was just signed into law, the Inflation Reduction Act reinstates lease sale 257, which is an oil and gas sale that spans 80.8 million acres across what? The Gulf of Mexico. Now, it orders the Department of Interior to take a series of steps to boost fossil fuel production on federal lands and waters and specifically requires the Department of the Interior to reinstate this lease sale. Now, $350 billion, I forget the number, that's going to go to climate from this this nonsense Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't reduce inflation at all. We all understand that. And look at all the things they did to screw over their their core constituency of environmentalists. You know that Joe Manchin got a pipeline out of this deal, right? Joe Manchin got a pipeline out of this deal. The pipeline in West Virginia, our name that eludes me, that was part of the deal. Hey, Vote for this thing and we'll give you what you want. Just like cinema got tax breaks for hedge fund managers. Isn't she a peach? So what happens now? How does the green part of the of the Democratic Party, which is the Democratic Party, how do they react? How do they engage? How angry do they get? Will they demand that this deal be thrown out? Will they still call it the most important thing to happen? Will they still cheer this Biden legislation as once in a generation? Look at how many people got screwed. You and I got screwed because it's taxing and it's spending during a recession and with this inflation. Of course, it's taxing. I love how they keep trying to tell us that this won't raise taxes. Stop it. Stop it. It won't raise taxes. Everything will be super okay. Choose more tax fairness by requiring corporations to pay a minimum of 15% for our protecting families making less than $400,000 per year from paying one penny more. If you have a 15% corporate minimum tax, by definition, everyone pays more. That was uh, Jim Clyburn of South Carolina. And it was Joe Biden who told you this was the biggest, biggest, super biggest deal on climate ever. The Inflation Reduction Act invests $369 billion to take the most aggressive action ever ever, ever, ever in confronting the climate crisis and strengthening our our economic, our energy security. It's going to offer working families thousands of dollars in savings by providing them rebates to buy new and efficient appliances, weatherize their homes, get tax credit for purchasing heat pumps and... Yeah, I couldn't listen to any more of that. Just, just couldn't. 
You know who had this sale blocked originally? The Sierra Club. The Sierra Club was uh, involved in, in the court fight, a federal court blocking the sale in January. The coalition led by Friends of the Earth and the Sierra Club argued that the Biden administration failed to properly analyze the climate impacts of the sale. I don't argue against the idea of climate impacts. We should ask ourselves, well, what does the, the building of X or the removal of Y do? I think that's rational. But if we were to listen to the green, we would never build anything again. We would never build anything again. You couldn't build the Hoover Dam today. You couldn't build the Empire State Building today. You couldn't build the Statue of Liberty. And that was a gift from the freaking French. Couldn't be done. There would be no way to get it all done. So maybe I'm thrilled by this by this lease deal. But it, it falls into another category, and it's a category of what's going on with the economy. And it was an interesting story uh, locally in, in my beloved Indianapolis from the Indianapolis Business Journal about how the banks are looking right now to beef up. I'm sorry. Beef up? Is this is this a legitimate thing? Uh, yes. You can go to ibj.com if you, if you want to see the story. Banks are beefing up their loan loss reserves. And I said, oh, no. It's 2007, 2008 all over again. Right? This is what it indeed we're, we're, we're looking at here. Uh, Susan Orr reporting, despite fears of a recession in the broader economy and outright softening in the tech sector, banks aren't reporting signs of trouble in their loan portfolio in their loan portfolios. At the same time, many banks that were reducing their reserves last year are now building them back up. Credit debt is back because of inflation. People are putting food on, on credit cards. Housing market is starting to soften. Now, while indeed we have a, 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 a place where, uh, how, uh, you know, there are markets where housing is still incredibly hot, still moving. When you have an interest rate of 5.32%, that was as high as 5.89%, and people are used to 2.99%, housing is going to have itself an issue. Housing starts are down month over month and year over year. Housing cancellations, contract cancellations have reached another two-year high because people are like, you know what, can't afford it. Not only the interest rate conversation, but the inflation rate, their dollar isn't worth as much and they're going to spend too much time working to afford this new mortgage. Now is not the time to buy a house. So that's people in the buying side. They don't yet have the house. So they're not yet the person that the bank is worried about. The bank is worried about the person they already have on the books engaging in a level of default. Are they just going to be late? Are they going to be able are they going to say, "You know what? We're done here. We are uh we're we're we're, we're you know, we can't we can't pay this whatever it is." And that's it. Banks gearing up for this is not a sign 
of a strong economy. Even though Joe Biden is desperate to try and tell us that we have this strong economy. I understand that the White House wants to lie day in and day out about this strong economy. It's not strong. And the, 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 the proof is the freaking data. The proof is the stories that I just shared with you. That's your reality. You could have Biden's claptrap, Biden's nonsense, or you could have reality. This was a report from Fox Business. This thing was stunning. Like a few items from the grocery store. I'm still racking up like $200 bills, and yet I have like two things, two meals to make for dinner. I noticed the prices when I was at checkout. Prices were ridiculous. Groceries are all up. Gas is up. Water bill, electric bill, everything. As a parent, you want to buy the 25-cent folder. You can't find them. So you have to spend a dollar something on a folder. The inflation is on our items, but not in our pockets. Well, everyday Americans certainly feeling the heat of inflation, while a new report reveals that inflation is costing the average American $717 a month. There is no world that you can think of where $717 a month is not real money. No world that you can discuss that $717 a month isn't real money. Because it is real money. It's a real problem. It's a dangerous, dangerous one. And more proof that the economy isn't okay. The economy is not okay. And we should stop allowing the administration to lie to us about it. Uh, that said, I, I may like what this, uh, what this uh, lease does. Can't wait to dig in to see whether or not we're going to get some energy security in the United States. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. I think the odds of a Republican House are north of 90 percent. I think we're very, very likely to get a Republican House. I think the first impeachment we see is probably Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, I think it's very valuable to have an extended trial in the Senate uh, laying out the absolute lawlessness on our southern border. Um, the outcome is likely foreordained, which is it takes two-thirds to convict. And even if we get a majority in the Senate of Republicans, we're not going to have two-thirds of Republicans. And I think the Democrats are not going to vote to convict anyone. Uh, there's still value in it. I think Mayorkas, it makes a lot of sense. I got to tell you, the, the, the case for impeaching Merrick Garland is, is growing by leaps and bounds. Every That's Ted Cruz. He's playing the fight game. I don't think there's anything wrong with playing the fight game. As long as you understand that it's not going to happen, that doesn't mean you don't try. And people are going to say, well, then you're just wasting time. It's just nothing more than a bunch of, bunch of hooey. If the political left wants to fight this way, this is it. Here you go. Now you deal with it. Now you deal with it. That's all there is to it. Why not? Because, Tony, it's a waste of time. We have serious issues. Not arguing, 
How do you bring another side back down to a conversation where you simply disagree and it's not about destruction? You got to fight the way they fight. That's the argument Ted Cruz is making right there. How do you tell him he's wrong? How do you engage the idea? No, it's not the way to do it. Very much the way to do it. Very much. But you'll notice that that is a great example of a lesson learned from Trump, but he's not trying to be Trump. That's that's good learning right there. I'm a fan of good learning is, is what I am. If you missed my conversation with lawyer Alan Dershowitz, I will share that with you in the next hour. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz today.